0: Well, good morning, guys. Everyone doing all right today? I just want to say the kids in the service today, and I think they were in service last week, it kind of adds a new element to church. And while uh, a lot of us can get uh, frustrated and over overwhelmed by just the fact that we have crazy kids in the worship center, I actually think it's kind of nice because we're worshiping as a family. We're worshiping and learning about Jesus together. And kids, do you guys like being in here? Okay, in a couple of weeks you're gonna go back to the bar, but right now you guys are doing it. All the podcasters are <laughs> like, "What is he talking about?" The bar. What we, what? we have our children's ministry typically in a hotel bar, and uh, we kind of convert the bar into a children's ministry. So um, that's kind of what we do. But so this week we're just bringing the kids in here and just having a good time all together. So um, if you would, we're just go ahead and get started off with a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the lesson. Um, Father God. God, we've had an overwhelming week within our personal lives. I don't know what kind of burdens we bear coming in here. I don't know what kind of struggles we have coming in here. I don't know what type of oppression or depression we might have upon us. But God, I want to say right now, we want to lay it at the foot of the cross for you. And we want to lay it down right now so that you can be glorified in this moment. So that you can freely flowing through into us, into our hearts, and speak to us today, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Well, if you guys haven't guessed it by now, by the, by the video, we're going to be talking about serving today and how we serve within the church. And uh, we're going through a series right now called Disciple. You know, a kid, y'all remember that word disciple? Do y'all know what disciple is? Anyone know what disciple is? Kids, raise your hand. Anyone got the word Disciple. No. Okay, good. I'm going to tell you. Okay, disciple is basically a follower of Jesus. Can you all say follower? A follower? Great. I love the enthusiasm here at 1045. I love it. It's great. So a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And what it really means to be a disciple is what we're learning about here in this series. Right now, we're going through a couple of uh, series and sermons. Uh, The first week, we had a series called... Uh, disciple, no Christians allowed. And We learned about how to be a disciple, you really don't have to be a Christian. It's not really being a Christian. The word Christian doesn't really mean what it used to mean. Uh, The word disciple is a better fit for who we are and who we follow when we follow Christ. We also learned that last week, we learned about fishing. That a disciple goes fishing, That we are called to be the great commission and not the great suggestion, okay, that we are called to go out, we are called to make disciples, baptizing them in the the Son and the Holy Spirit, that was our mission, we were supposed to go fishing, if you guys don't know any of those sermons, you can catch up on them on the podcast, Just go to the iTunes, search uh, Impact City Church Podcast, you can find them there, you can subscribe to them, uh, and you can just get caught up there, but this week, this week, we're going to talk about Another characteristic of a disciple, and that is that a disciple washes feet, or they serve. A disciple washes feet, or they serve. If you would, please turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. That's where we're going to be camping out here today. John chapter 13 uh, in your Bibles. Specifically verse 2. But um, we'll get there in just a second. Before we get there, let me ask you this. And just be honest, and y'all just, I know y'all know people like this, so just be honest. How many of you guys have ever met someone who is so just bent on being perfect? Just bent on being perfect. I got one in my life, okay, uh, and it's not Sarah, okay, uh, but uh, they're so bent on being perfect that everything they do has to be 100% the best, okay? So whether it's Competing in sports, like if you're playing flag football, you you know, he wants to get every flag on that football. If you're playing ping pong, he wants to win ping pong, okay? Video games. If he's not winning video games, uh, he gets mad, he gets a controller, he smashes it, he gets all mad, he acts acts like a a total, uh, you know, imbecile. But, but, you know, what is it that those people do that make them want to be perfect? They they want to be so, so perfect. It's like everything they do, okay? Uh, In their jobs. And and they want to be the best promotion. They want to be. They want to get the next level of um, pay. They always want to move up. And listen, this listen. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes it can be kind of annoying for those of us who are just trying to get along. And you got someone who's so overbearing. They just want to be the greatest. They want to be. They want to be the best. They want to be at top of everything. Okay, everything is a competition to them. You know what I'm talking about? Like you go to a restaurant. And you order something, they want to order something better, more expensive than you, you know. Or you're, you're paying for something, and does y'all ever done this where you go to pay for something, they're like, No, I get the check. No, I get the check. No, I get the check. No, I'm gonna get the check. No, and they always want to be better than you. They always want to be the greatest at whatever they do. Okay. And and, and when they become the greatest, when they become victorious, they offer. After time, you're gonna just kind of lose out because you're just gonna get overwhelmed by them. You be like, No way, You Just take it. Take the check win the game, get the better deal of for shoes that pay less, whatever you want to do, you're the greatest, you're the best, you're perfect, whatever. And whenever they become that level of perfection, they expect you to, like, worship them. They're like, oh, yes, I am great. Oh, yeah, you know, you know you're doing that wrong, because if I was you, I'd do it like this. But, you know, you know, I really wouldn't yeah. do things that way. I would, probably wouldn't have bought that car. Yeah. I'm probably wouldn't have gone in this direction. Because yeah. I'm doing this. Because I'm doing this. Me, me, me. Okay? They expect to be treated like royalty. And they want people around them to know that they <coughs> are the greatest. <coughs> but what does the Bible say about who is the greatest? Go. What does the Bible say about who's the greatest? This is just a sign. When Jesus said this and Matthew, Jesus. you don't have to turn it, just... This way, it says, uh, The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Matthew 23 11 through 12. Let me say that again. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Some of us can get caught up in <laughs> In this way of thinking, though, in the, in, in the thinking that that I have to do so many things to be the greatest, that I have to be the best, I have to be up here. But what Jesus is saying is that if you want to be the greatest, the greatest person is not the person who dictates everything. The greatest person in the company is not the CEO. The greatest person, the most valuable person in the company, is not the one at the very top of the company. The most important, the, most, the MVP, the most valuable person in the company, is probably the janitor who's sweeping and turning up after everybody. He is the servant. And Jesus says, in my eyes, the lower it is the higher. And in fact, in today's world, <coughs> we think that in order to get on top, you have to ascend. But Jesus says, if you want to get on top, you have to descend to the bottom. In order to be a greatest, you must become a servant. So this is what we're kind of picking up, and this is what the disciples are talking about. In John chapter 13. If you guys have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to John chapter 13. Uh, What's going on here? What's going on in John chapter 13 is that the disciples and Jesus are in a small room upstairs in the house, right? And they're having the final supper, the last last supper, right? And they're all gathered around, they're all sitting down at a table, and they're all eating, right? And then all of a sudden, um, something happens. There's an argument that occurs. Something kind of kind of broke loose in, in, in the conversation, and it's like getting crazy. Now, the book of John doesn't talk about this, but the account that Luke tells of the same supper talks about this argument, and this is basically the argument that's going on. One of the disciples, probably Peter, because he's always getting in trouble, says, hey, guys, who among us is the best disciple? Like, Who among us is the greatest? Out of all the followers of Jesus, out of everyone here, who is the greatest disciple of them all? Okay? And I can just kind of imagine just kind of the the tension in the room. I kind of imagine the the turmoil in the room. And this is what's going on. I bet you like Matthew is like, you know, because Matthew was a tax collector, I bet you're like, guys, I got this, I know the answer. (laughs) I am the greatest disciple of uh, Jesus' followers. You know why? Because I handle the money. Because I'm a tax collector, and I I take care of the books, and I just make sure everything's aligned. If it wasn't for me, we wouldn't even be able to fund this ministry. that we got here. You know, I'm the greatest, right? And I bet you, John was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, guys, hold up! No, no, remember that time that Jesus was up on the hill and he started to glow, right? And then Moses." came down, and Elijah came down with them, and there were like three glowing people there, and I was there at that moment. I was that part. I got to see God's glory. I am the greatest disciple. And you know what Peter said? Because Peter's always kind of sick and in other people's business. He's like, hey, guys, guys, guys. guys. He's going to have You know? He's like, hey, guys, do you remember that time? that Do you remember the boat? Do you remember the boat, guys, that when the storm came, and the, and the waters are like going crazy, and Jesus was walking away? Remember the boat we were in? Oh, this, I was like, "Yeah, I remember that boat." And Peter's like, "I don't, because I wasn't even in the boat. I was walking on the water." But Jesus, booyah! I'm the greatest disciple. You know, I can just imagine just the talk that these guys are having, and what's going on is that um, they get so caught up in themselves, they get so caught up in the idea of who is the greatest disciple, who is the best one. I want to be the best one. And then you want them to touch? Do this little selfish argument going on? And Jesus, seeing this, says, "Whoa, whoa, stop, guys, whoa." We gotta stop this right now. And he starts to show a lesson as to who is the greatest disciple. Now, let me ask you this: If we had to be disciples, if we had to really figure out who is the follower of Jesus, who is the best? Wouldn't you think that Jesus would be like? <clears throat> oh, guys, listen. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really cool. Peter, you walked on the water with me, that was awesome. Great times. Yeah. Uh, John, up on the hill, transfiguration, great time. Awesome, I was glowing, and that was great time. Uh, now it was cool, and uh, all. Matthew, yeah, man, kudos, man. Without you, you could not get the, the, the finances done. But listen, uh, I got one that's going to kind of talk uh, Son of God, Messiah, raised people from the dead. Me? Yeah, you know, like if I was Jesus in that conversation, I'd be like, guys, I no, really guys, I'm the greatest follower of God. I am the greatest disciple. And if you guys really want to argue about this, you have no comparison. That's what, and if I was Jesus, that's what I would do. That, that's not what Jesus did. Let's read about what Jesus did upon hearing this argument. This is John chapter 13, verse 2. It says the evening meal was being served, and the devil already prompted Judas, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Now do you guys remember who Judas is? Kids. Does anyone know who Judas is? Y'all remember who Judas is? Ryan, do you know who Judas is? Who's Judas? Judas was the one that he does But well, he betrayed Jesus, right? He Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus, and this is what he's saying: that the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, and He had come from God and was returning to God. Okay, so Jesus knows who He is. Jesus knows He's Son of God. Jesus knows He is all powerful. Jesus knows this. There's no question in in the mind of Jesus. Of who he is in the authority scale. This is verse 4. It says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. I remember the word basin. We're going to come back to that. you are going to have that at the very end. Basin. And they began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around This is John chapter 13. Okay, a little background. Because, uh, because right now I don't. I, when I read that, I was like, "Holy cow!" Jesus did what? He What did he do? He took the he took the towel and wrapped around his waist. Are you serious? And like, if you don't understand Jewish culture, if you don't understand what's really going on, what's really happening here, you can kind of it kind of bypass you as to the the magnitude of what's really happening here. Okay, little background for you. The, the, the act of washing someone's feet was very important back in the day of, of, of the Bible. It was very important because well, what would happen was when they would eat dinner at the house, we wouldn't sit down in the around you like guys are sitting in right now. We would sit down at the, at the, on the floor and do it against the wall. We'd against the floor. And the table was more like a coffee table. Okay? And so at this coffee table, we have all this food set up. And the disciples are the people who they were literally laid down and had their feet propped up on the, on the table or next to the table. Okay? And so in order to keep things clean, okay, they would they would wash the feet. Now the washing of the feet was often a, 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 um, a kind a of respect thing. The master the host of the house would have the guest's feet washed. Now you guys like having your feet washed? Now I know my wife loves having her feet rubbed. Okay? And I bet you was know, so like just, you know, like, stop doing the sermon. She'd be like, yeah, you can stop it. You if you rub my feet right now. Like, that's how she is. She loves it that much, okay? But they would rub and they would wash her and cleanse that foot real good. Now, the act of cleansing that foot, they would take that foot, wasn't something that the master would do. Oh, certainly not. No, the master would never wash the feet. Okay? Uh, he wouldn't even let his rabbi do it. He wouldn't let a teacher do it. He wouldn't let... Uh, you know, this is how, this is how of, a, of a service it was. He wouldn't even let a servant who was of Jewish descent do it. He would save that act of washing someone's feet for the Gentile servants, the people from other countries, the slaves. He would make them wash the feet of his guests. Why was it such a low job? Well, you gotta understand that back in early Palestine, uh, the streets are not paved. And we're used to paved streets and and escalators and segways and you didn't have to walk on the ground no more. But back in the day, it was all dirt roads. And they weren't like paved dirt roads. Like like they were just dirt. Okay. So during the summer months, it was lots of dust. Was probably some thorns and everything just kind of out and about. And so you you would walk on this dirt and your feet would probably get kind of cut up and kind of dried out. You know what I'm talking about? So we I mean, guys have feet like that right now, and it's kind of disgusting. And we're not going to get into that. You need some lotion. Be moisturized. do whatever you need to do, just take care of that issue. It's gross. Uh, but, so, uh, but other times, whenever it would be wet, the mo- the roads were, were muddy, and it was kind of like a chocolate milk. You guys ever think about a road made of chocolate milk? Anything? Can you imagine that? Wow. And I just I got you guys' attention now. Kind of like, uh, like a cake batter type road, just all mushy and ugly and muddy. And you know that they would... Walk these roads with with uh, their horses and their goats and their, their, their cattle and everything, right? And these animals would not just pull off to the side of the road, uh, go to the little boys' room, go to the little goats room, and then get back on the road. No, they would just be walking, lift their tail, do their business, whatever number one, number two was. You guys, like this is pros. I like come to, to church today, okay? Uh, but they would do their duty literally on the road, and so. Basically, whatever the disciples walked through was on their feet. And that is why that the master of the house, the host of whatever party was going on, whatever dinner was going on, would have the lowest of the low slaves clean the feet of his guests. It was nasty. It was gross. they poop on it and everything. That's disgusting. But he would make the slaves clean it up. Now, what Jesus is showing us is an example of what it means to be a greatest See, he humbled himself, and he washed their feet. So look at this again. It says, uh, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around we got two options when we come to the basin. Jesus came up to that basin. Just like this, full of water. It's the basin is full of water. He said, I can do one of two things with this water. I can serve myself with it. Or I can serve others with it. Now, what does serving ourselves mean in our life? we were to take... That context and put it to our daily life. When we say serve ourselves, what does it mean? Well, it's kind of like, do I just come to church and not get involved? Do I come to church? And what are my reasons for coming to church? Is it to grow my own self knowledge, my own self righteousness? Do we uh, serve ourselves by, uh, by never tithing, never giving to the mission, never being sacrificial and trusting God like that? Do we uh, serve ourselves by never volunteering or never participating in any type of ministry, any type of outreaches, any type of anything? How do we serve ourselves selfishly? Or do we serve others by teaching others, discipling, going into others? And you might say like, well, I can't disciple anyone on not qualify. We talked about that last week. That You don't have to be qualified. God qualifies to call. As long as you have a testimony of what Christ has done in your life, that is enough gospel in you. To so share that and witness to someone and change their lives forever. You have that in you. Do we serve others by building up others in community? Do we, do we love on others within the community of Christ? Do we, do we, do we serve? Do we help out? Do, do what is it that we do? Do we serve others by giving to the mission of God? You uh, guys, uh, a little insight as to where uh, the offerings go for ICC. The offerings for ICC. Uh, we take the tithes and offerings to ICC, and we then we tie an offer, offering, the tie of the tithes and offering. Okay? That makes sense. I'll catch you up on that later. Okay? Business we take 10% of the 10% and we give that to missions. So, all around the world, the money that, that we give in goes all around the world here at ICC. We're part of the uh, Baptist General Commission of Texas, and they're very good at making sure every yeah, is used to support missions around the world. Are we giving to the mission of God? Are we serving church ministries? Are we helping out? So where are you? Let's be honest with each other. Where are we? Okay? Now I tend to write my sermons with a challenge involved in them, but I gotta say, I got pretty proud of the people here at ICC Uh last night, Sarah texted me like at almost 10 o'clock at night, and she told me, she says, I don't know, take she goes, babe, I'm running a low-grade fever. Y'all kind of, kind of iffy. Uh, I'm feeling like, crying, basically, I got chills, I got aches, I got pain. I'm feeling like, you know, like crap. And I told her, I said, "Well, babe, listen. I said uh, I really think you need to stay home from church." And what she wrote me back really broke my heart. She says, "I'm not staying home from church." She said, "I am not staying home from church." She said. If Jesus Christ has suffered on the cross for several hours for me and I don't even deserve it, I can go through church for an hour and serve my community, and serve my people for an hour for him. And so I was like, Well, wow, that's awesome. And I and I know she's like, be quiet and noise, it's not about that, but but I was really impressed by that. But the other thing I was really impressed by was uh, right after that, so I'm going to send a text out to everyone in ICC, all the people, all you guys, and ask for some help because I'm going to come off a of 9. So I got like two hours of sleep. I don't know if I'm going to sit in the church. We're, we're a portable church, and we have a lot of sit up and tear down, right? And Sarah's going sit. So usually she helps me in the morning and she doesn't have to come here to help me. Send a text out, and in the morning I got a text back from Carly and Jared, and they said, hey, we're gonna here. We going to be there. We've got donuts for everything. They never showed up and brought some pin and I mean, some sugar candy and stuff for make to get nice and calm. And, uh, and just everyone just kind of pitched in. God, I got to tell you this right now, it kind of changed my sermon direction. It went from being a challenge to being an encouragement, and how proud I am of where we all have come as a church. I mean, by God, we stepped up today. And I felt more like a family today than I have in a long time here at this church. And I want to say thank you, so much. thank you. So, but just to make sure we're all in check. I want to go over three questions in regards to serving to make sure that we're in check with where we should be in service. So three questions, and we're going to finish this off, okay? And we're going to have some shooting Donuts. That was a plug. Shippen's want to uh, support this church. Go here. Donuts. They'll probably never hear the podcast, so they won't hear <laughs> All right. Uh, number one, first question you've got to ask yourself, what is your motivation? What is your motivation for serving? If you can think about your motivation, write it down. Think about what it is. What is your motivation? Let me give you some things that were not Jesus' motivation. Selfishness. Pride. Self-righteousness. Arrogance. Those are things that Jesus was not like, hey guys, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at the sacrifice I'm making. Hey guys, look, I'm putting a towel on. Check it out. Here I go. Look, I'm going to like, squat down. I'm washing your feet, Peter. You know? Like, you know, those weren't his motivations. He wasn't there to be exalted for his service, okay? okay? See, Jesus had nothing to prove. He had nothing to prove. He knew, when we talked about that. He knew who he was in Christ. He knew who, who he was. He knew that he was Son of God. He was the great I Am. He knew that he was almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. He knew that. He knew he was the Son of God. He had nothing to prove, okay? Here are some things that were his motivation love, compassion, a sense of urgency. He loved those disciples. He loved those guys in the room so much. If you read earlier in the chapter of John 13, it talks about how much he loved people and the compassion he had on people. Y'all remember the leper? Lenny the leper? You ever heard of that guy? Leper, I guess, got fingers falling off, everything's going crazy, okay? Uh, Jesus loved the leper, and one of the first characteristics of being a disciple is that disciple must love the lepers. Jesus knew that he loved people, he loved them so much that there was an un, uh, um, unquenchable thirst and desire to serve others and to, to that, that, that longing to help someone out. It was something that he couldn't just bypass. He saw something that he had to act. Thank what is his motivation? What is your motivation? And you guys got like, I can answer that right now. Well, it's okay, go home and pray about it. A lot of the questions I ask you, you can't answer right away. Go home and pray about it. Okay? What is your motivation? Does it really reflect the motivation of Christ, or are you just doing a task for some other reasons? Selfish reasons. Second question. One was, what is your motivation number two? What is the need in front of you? Now, I'm not talking about what you're planning on doing next week. I'm not talking about the mission trip you might have signed up for or whatever down the road. I'm not talking about the thing that you. I'm not talking about the uh, the, uh, the outreach, the more of the backpack outreach we have got coming up in, in, in the summertime or the Venus. I'm not talking about that. What is the need that is in front of you? Okay? What is the thing at this one moment? Last night, there was a need that was in front of you guys. You guys stepped up greatly for that need. That was a need that, hey, hey, they, Felix needs some help in the morning. Sarah's kind of messed up right now. she got like snot, you know, crazy. But then, uh, no, no, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Yes. I'm Okay. And so, uh, I'm focusing this. And so, <laughs> what is the need right now? What is the need in front of you? Jesus had something crazy about to happen in two days. He knew what was going to happen in two days, and he knew what was going to happen in two days. The Bible said that, that he knew all these things were about to happen. He knew Jesus was about to betray him. He knew something was going to happen. What was going to happen? He was going to die. Okay, and he knew he was going to die, and he knew he wasn't going to die like it was like lethal injection on calm and quiet. He knew he was going to be murdered, beaten, sacrificed. He knew that, and still within. Knowing that, the, he wasn't worried about what was going to happen two days from now. He said, man, that's going to take care of itself. I know that. He was worried about the immediate need. What was the immediate need? His disciples' feet were kind of stinking and looking, kind of reeking. And he had to wash the feet. he wanted to teach himself along the way. The greatest act of service and humility that has ever been seen in the world was Christ's suffering on the cross, and yet, he decided to take time away from that, or before that, and serve his disciples. So, what is your need in front of you right now? Like, what is your need right now? It could be something outside the church, it could be a non-profit organization that's just been laying in your heart. Uh, we do a lot of work in women's shelter, and there's a lot of need for, uh, I a lot of needs for uh, diapers and stuff, the women's shelter. <coughs> um, it could be some other type of ministry, other type of nonprofit thing that, that we can help out with. And God's laying on your heart. Uh, I urge you act on that now. It could be something within the church. And we guys would need to help out with children's ministry. Maybe we guys would to, to say, you know what, it's 40 I can probably show up to the church a little early and kind of help set up. You know, we, I can do that. I tell you what, in a couple of weeks, uh, I'm going to be out for service, I need, I, need, I need people to step up and help set this place up so we can have our guest speaker, and you can feel comfortable speaking here. What is the need here inside your church? What is the need? So let's think about that. Let's write those answers down and right just kind of uh, think about those throughout the week. Alright, so number one was um, what is your motivation? Number two was what is the need in front of you? And number three, what do you have to give? Like, what do you have to give? Can, can, can you imagine Peter? I just want you to think about Peter, okay? Peter, if I can compare us to anyone in, in the Bible, I would say we're Peter, because Peter is just an emotional wreck all the time. Us as people, we're emotional wrecked. I mean, I'm, I'm an emotional wreck most of the time. I'm happy, I'm sad. I'm just getting you know, all crazy, okay? Some people are straight-lined and they're just zombies, you know? But we're, you know, Peter was like an emotional wreck all the time. And so, can you imagine what Peter is going through? And he's sitting there, right? And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up with a towel. Well, watch out, Peter. I'm going to wash his feet, man. And so, he, he bends down, picks up Peter's foot, and starts scrubbing away. And Peter's like, uh, uh, uh. and, and you know, like, what are you doing, man? You know, like, you can't wash my foot? Are you serious? Like, dude, you're, you're Jesus, you're my rabbi. I shouldn't be washing your foot. And in fact, Peter actually says, no, 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 you're not going to wash my foot. I can just imagine the scene in the room where Jesus is like, no, I'm gonna wash your foot, and I like, grabs his foot, and like brings it over, and starts scrubbing on it. You know, and Peter is so embarrassed, and Peter is just so, uh, just so distraught at the fact that his rabbi is washing his foot. And then later on, you know, he he, he goes and betrays Jesus, right? He goes and betrays Jesus three times, uh, right after, uh, right before the cross. And, and, and Jesus is like, "It's okay, Peter, I forgive you." Right? And then the book of the Book of Acts, uh, Jesus goes back to life. Later on in the book of Acts, he talks about how he he greeted Peter with some barbecue fish one morning and forgave Peter for everything he did. And Peter was at this point thinking, what do I have to give to you now, oh my God? I have betrayed you. I have been humiliated. I I have been humbled because you have washed my feet. What do I have to give to you? I mean, oh my gosh, what do I have to do? And then later on in the book of Acts read a story about Peter and John are going to the temple to the synagogue to worship and there's a blind beggar, there's a beggar living on the road and the beggar says uh, please give me some silver and gold this is Acts 3, he says uh, please give me something, give me some silver give me something, I, I, I'm begging you something, and what does Peter say, and then he says, Acts 3 6, it says, silver and gold I do not have and help me out with this have you all this, listen to this but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, and Nazareth, walk, y'all know that song. Peter and John <laughs> to pray, and then they on the way. Y'all know that song? Okay. that's the song. Okay, that's the that's the moment you guys are like. you are not singing. No. Okay, take that away from that. But at that moment, Peter said, "Look, I don't have anything, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, and as we walk." We all have at least a testimony of Christ. We all have something at the very least to give. What is your talent? What is the thing that you do best? What is the thing that you excel in? Like, I suck at it all. Okay, well, if you suck at everything, come suck at everything here at church. Do something. Okay? And let me tell you something God isn't concerned with your plans either. Okay? So don't be like, well, I've been planning on doing this. (coughs) Okay? I've been planning on on, on doing this. And uh, when I get to it, I will. God doesn't care about. Plans. God cares about your hands. You hear me. God doesn't care about your plans. He cares about your hands. Get dirty. Get to work. like, I don't know what my what God's will us for my life. I don't know what uh, what the what the need is for my life. I don't know what how to serve. I don't know what to do. But well, God doesn't say, Hey, man, when you figure it out, I get back to me. Okay, go pray about that, figure out what you want to then get back. Now God says, get your hands dirty, and within the working of your hands, I will show you, reveal to you what you're good at. I will show you, reveal to you what you're good at, and you will serve that way. Okay? When I first started ministry, you know what I started off doing? I literally, I don't want to just sort of work my way up through the ranks because that sounds really bad. But in a way I kind of did. If you look at church volunteer uh styles, I did that. I started off, I got saved, and I got baptized, and the first thing I, saw, I wanted to do was I wanted to be a door reader. Because hey, that's the easiest job out there, and we'd be a door reader. Lo and behold, I found out that's not the easiest job because you have to learn how to smile a lot. And when I was in a bigger church and I see Val Ruh, literally had about 2,000 people in the church. I opened the door for about 2,000 people. like, hi how, hi, how hi, how you doing? Hi, how you doing? Hi, how you doing? Hi, how you doing? And i tell you what. People had to just be like, Man, this guy is on crack. Because, like, why is he so happy all the time? He's and so, like, and you're being a greeter, okay? I started off greeting. And let me tell you, greeters are one of the most important people in church ministry. Because without greeters, there's no face to the ministry. And so, greeters are very important. So, if you've ever been a greeter kudos to you, okay? I started off with readers, and I was like, this is kind of cool. And then one day, Sarah was in the children's ministry. She says, I need your help to you come help in children's ministry. I'm like, I hate kids. I don't want to be there. I, I didn't see that, guys. I, mean, I you. <laughs> um, um, uh, No, I was like, they scare me. They're going to hurt me. And so I went to help Sarah in the children's ministry, and lo and behold, I had to actually had a really good time. I started liking it. I was like, man, well, this kid's thing is fun. And before you know it, I was teaching the lesson with Sarah, right? So I would start talking and, and teaching the kids about Jesus and, 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 and singing the songs. That I couldn't sing and making them cry and, and and I was doing all these great things. there. I was having fun. Later on, I went to another church plant. Right, and they said, "Hey, we need help with the student I'll go help out with high school students." And before you know it, I was preaching to the high school students. I remember being able to preach in front of all these kids. I was like, "What am I doing up here? Like, wh- why am I up here?" I'm not qualified to be up here, and I didn't know a thing of what I was doing. I'll tell you what, secret, I still don't know what the heck I'm doing up here. Okay? And so I was preaching to these kids, and then, and then the, one of the greatest moments in my life in ministry was I got to baptize a teenage girl. And, and she was like, uh, she got saved, and she got baptized with her dad, and so uh, our new pastor baptized her dad. I baptized her together at the same time. It was incredible. I was like, wow was going on inside me. I'm stirring my heart. Before you know it, I started going and fishing more and more and more. I started getting a passion for it. And Whereas two years before that, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I, I just wanted to go to church and get a it. But it wasn't before I started serving that God said, Look, I don't care about your plans of doing nothing. I care about your hands. Start serving, and I'll show you my will for your life. So I say to you guys, start serving. Do something. And give whatever you have. What do you have to give? You might not know what you have to give, but just start giving. Start doing something. Start serving. Get involved. Keep going. I guarantee you, God has so many plans for your life that's so great. We talked about this two weeks ago. Don't be the one person that stands between you and the plan that God has for you. Don't be the one person standing between you and the plan that God has for you. God has greatness for you. And the one person that's holding you back is yourself, and it's the easiest problem to fix. Eliminate that problem. Okay? So, in in recap, what is your motivation? What is the need in front of you? What do you have to do? Now, I'll wrap this up, guys. Um, We talked about uh, the basin of water, right? I said you got two Options when you get that basin. We could be selfish. We can take that basin and say, you know what? There's a need in front of me. There's a need, uh the church is hurting, there's a a nonprofit hurting, my neighbor is hurting down the street, and you can take that basin, right? Here comes that basin of water, and you can say, you know what? I'm just gonna wash my hands of this. I'm just gonna take my hands. And I'm going to wash my hands of this. You know who else wash their hands or something? Pontius Pilate. Jesus was, fellow there was a fellow who knows a need. And he said, You know what? I'm, I'm just going to wash my hands. I don't want to touch Jesus. I don't want anything to do with this guy. And he took that face in the water and he washed his hands. <coughs> or you can see the need in, in what's around you and you can be like Jesus. And you can say, You know what? I'm going to take this towel right here. I'm going to wrap this towel around me. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to serve the people around me. That's what Jesus did. He took the towel and he wrapped it around similar to this. He walked over. (coughs) He got down and washed the feet of his disciples. He took himself to the lowest point that he could do. The lowest point in his life. He took himself and made himself exalted and took him down to a slave. A servant. And he washed the feet of his disciples. Now are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to serve others? disciples disciple of Jesus will serve others. Let's pray.